You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 271st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 880th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of November 17th, 2022, a mere 20 hours before the first big game of the season. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment is just a simple realization, uh, one that Indiana's roster is more complete than at any time in the last five years. When watching the first two games that Indiana played, you saw a solid nine-man rotation where each man brought strengths individually that helps the team collectively. Uh, this also is supported by watching the other teams in the NCAA over the past week and a half. When watching Michigan State, we can easily see that the roster Indiana has is capable of playing uh, like Michigan State, beating Michigan State, and Michigan State's played against some quality competition. This roster is built to win. It is built to handle adversity, which will come at some point during the season. The roster is one that we grew accustomed to over the storied past of Indiana basketball. Now, this roster just needs to win consistently, and let's hope that starts on the road this Friday in Cincinnati against Xavier. Okay, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Jared is off tonight uh, pulling double kid duty with his wife, desperately cheering on the Packers to salvage their season. Uh, he'll be hosting tomorrow night's post-game show after the Xavier game. But here with me, uh, still reeling from the Eagles' first loss of the season, is the Ted Lasso of girls sports coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and a giant in the world of bracketology. The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got them. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first class bracketology, if you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. Andy, good to have you on as usual. Looking forward to spending some quality time with uh, you and the missus over uh, the weekend tomorrow. Um, and what is your bottoms line on the first week of college basketball? Yeah, excited to have you guys. Uh, for those who missed it last week, Coach and I uh, will be at an alumni association event at Mad Tree uh, Brewery before the game. Uh, I think it starts about 4.30. We'll do a Q&A sometime around five or so. And then for those who are heading over to the game, you're already pretty close. For those who want to hang out and watch, we'll be there. Jay will also be with us. So uh, should be a good time and looking forward to that. Um, you know, really big week for for IU basketball as a whole. Uh, if you look back to earlier in the week, the, the women's team got a huge win at Tennessee. And while Tennessee has not necessarily maintained their top, their spot at the top of the, the women's game, uh, consistently over the years, still a really storied program and a good team this year, just an awesome display. 
by uh, Terry Morin's group to go down and, and get a really decisive win down there. And tomorrow night is the men's chance to do the same 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 thing to pick up a big road win uh, early in the season to really kind of jumpstart uh, things as they uh, as they move forward through the rest of the non-conference and, and a real chance to build some confidence there. So uh, the women certainly showed the men's team how to do it, how to go on the road and get a big win. And uh, excited to see if IU is going to be able to do the same. That'll obviously be a big topic for us uh, tonight, looking ahead to the Xavier game. But uh, a huge opportunity for IU, and one I hope they can take advantage of. Also with me, fresh off penning an article titled, quote, Indiana finally looks like a Big Ten powerhouse again for the big lead, where he is senior writer. It's the original president of the Race Thompson fan club. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. All right, Ryan, it's time for your rant. What do you got for us this week? Uh, you know, I, I have to echo what Andy said and congratulate the women's team. They're now 4-0. They blew the doors off Bowling Green tonight. But going down to Tennessee and getting that win, even though Tennessee isn't the power it used to be, still the 11th ranked team in the country and they, they beat them by 12 and we're up bigger than that until the late stages. So uh, hat tip to the women's team. It looks like it's going to be very good again this year. Um, but really this week has been all about focusing on the Xavier game. It's the first real test for Indiana this year, a true road game against a team. That's probably what a top 35, top 30, 35 team um, right now. So it's going to be, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge for those, four senior starters to get this team where it needs to be. And it's going to be it's going to be big for those young guys to get this experience. And it's going to be huge for Mike Woodson, quite frankly, to prove that he can win, that he can go on the road and win this type of game. And uh, so really, I think this is going to be very telling. Obviously, we're not going to start to really judge this team as a whole until mid to late December, probably. But an early season test that certainly will be a measuring stick for where they're at right now and how they're how confident you can be heading into that trio of huge games coming up over the next few weeks. All right. Uh, here's what we have in store uh, this week on Assembly Call Radio. Segment one, we're going to talk IU Xavier, the preview, and, and talk about some keys to victory. In segment two, we're going to talk about our, our early impressions of the Big Ten and college basketball after about 10 days of play. And we have some really good questions, as usual, from our community in segment three, our mailbag session. All of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, and now let's um, talk about our presenting sponsor. Home field apparel, for the team. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison and so many more. The bottom line is that Homefield has something for fans and grads of pretty much every school with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through the Kelly School of Business. What could be better than that? And I received some Christmas money early. Uh, from a family member and immediately bought four more items to add to my incredible collection a couple crew necks a couple hoodies uh, to uh, to wear throughout the winter so go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code home for 15 percent off your entire first order that's 
promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, so uh, here we go. First of all, we are going to make it official that the meetup will be uh, the Purdue game. Uh, I believe that is February 4th, a Saturday. And more details will come soon, uh, but we're working behind the scenes to provide a, a good time for, for everyone. So I know I look forward to seeing all of my co-hosts uh, and all of our listeners, chat mob members, and and people who just uh, listen and, and show up. A good good following in the last few years. So we appreciate that. Mark that on your calendar um, for, I believe it's February 4th. Is that yeah, right? It's, it's okay. the weekend of February 4th. So we'll be there. We'll do a live post game show after the Purdue game. Uh, it is the Purdue game. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a big one. And uh, it, it worked out that it was really the only weekend it completely worked for us this year. And it just happened to be Purdue. We did Purdue in 2020 and it didn't work out yeah. well. So let's hope this is a little better uh, this time around. Uh, I, I I will be short of guaranteeing that it'll work out. Uh, okay. I've seen them play. They have some good things, but uh, we're, we're a lot better. So I'm I'm pretty positive we're, it's going to be a good post-game show. So let's talk IU Xavier. Guys, Andy, we'll, we'll come to you. Um, your thoughts, uh, Xavier's 3-0. Has played three teams that they should should have beaten. Uh, that this will be their first test uh, under new coach uh, Sean Miller. Your thoughts, general thoughts on on Xavier. Yeah, the big uh, X factor wild card coming into the game is the status of uh, Colby Jones. So he's he's arguably their best player, certainly their best uh, non uh, non non big guy at least. Uh, he sprained his ankle in practice. Was in a uh, was in a boot at their game. I believe it was last night against Fairfield or earlier in the week. So uh, obviously with any, uh, any, any college coach is not going to give away too much in terms of what the status is, but I think that'll go a long way to deciding it. Xavier is not particularly deep. Uh, so anytime you lose one of your better players, it's not a good thing at all, obviously, but uh, certainly on a team that doesn't have a ton of depth, that would be, uh, that would be huge. He's really a big part of what they do defensively and, uh, and a guy that can really get to the rim. Uh, was uh, I think the most outstanding player in the NIT uh, in the final uh, in the postseason NIT last year? So, you know that's that's really kind of the big storyline in terms of who will be available. Uh, otherwise, when you really look from a personnel standpoint, it's it's kind of strength on strength with the big guys. You've got Zach Fremantle and uh, Jack Nunji, who used to play uh, is from Indiana, but used to play at Iowa. Uh, didn't play a ton there. I think transferred uh, at some point while Luca Garza was there and. Um, has has really had a successful couple uh, or season and a season and a few games, I guess you could say. Uh, at Xavier Fremantle, uh, a guy who's uh, was a little bit in the doghouse with Sean Miller over in the offseason, got suspended indefinitely, but it didn't really last very long. Um, those two guys are pretty critical to what uh, Xavier wants to do. Nunji in particular can step out and shoot it, um, but both guys have some limitations defensively not a ton of depth in the front court. If you're able to get one or both those guys in foul trouble through, you know, race, trace, uh, Malik renew, whatever you have, I think that could go uh, a long way to deciding the the game as well. So those are really the big matchup and, and personnel related things to look at. Um, probably a couple schematic things we might want to talk about, but um, those are at least the, the biggest things that will come to mind. And I think the biggest things to watch is, uh, is kind of where those few matchups uh, end up. Ryan, your your thoughts on on going in and playing Xavier? 
Well, it's, I mean, it's, as I said in the opening, it's just, it's a test. I mean, even if Xavier isn't at their best, they have, they always have talent. And, and so even if they're not a top 25 team this year, which they're not yet, but you know, they're probably trending in that direction. Um, I just think that it's, it's big to go on the road period. If you're Indiana at this point of the season, you're going to have to go on the road in a couple of weeks to Kansas. This is a mini test for that, I think. And, um, yeah, it's really for this Indiana team. And I wrote about it, you know, as, as you mentioned, coach, I wrote about it this week at the big lead. This isn't about the opponent. It's about Indiana. You know, I think against North Carolina, you, you know, it's, it's a little bit about the opponent against Kansas. It'll probably be a little bit about the opponent, but against Xavier, if Indiana plays the way it's supposed to play, it should come out on top. Um, you know, you, you, you face Kansas and North Carolina and, and Arizona you're going to have to make them do some things and you're going to have to affect them and take them off their game. I don't feel that way about this game. I feel that if Indiana plays up to its capability, it should be a win. So we, we had a question that I'm going to ask here uh, in our community uh, from Stephen Ragsdale said, I'm sure this is probably in a later segment and, and, and Stephen, we moved it up, but I'm curious to hear more about their strengths and their weaknesses. Not very familiar with them since they weren't in the NCAA tourney last year. I thought Coach Adranya did a nice job, as usual, in his scouting report. I would always tell you, if you're part of our paid community, there's so much good uh, information uh, in there from uh, in his film room, uh, from post game and and for the look ahead games. But it's going to be that battle. Their strength is is on the inside, and and with that Colby Jones, uh, they they do a lot of. Uh, they play with some pace, um, according to the statistics. They they are one of the quickest uh, paced teams in college basketball. We'll see how Indiana guards the the dribble handoffs uh, and, and any pick and roll action at the top of the key. That'll be uh, a key for them. But I, I think they're better offensively than they are defensively, and I think that's an advantage uh, that that plays into Indiana's hands because I, I think. Uh, I think they're going to have trouble guarding Indiana if Indiana comes in, and, as Ryan said, plays the way they can play. Uh, easier said than done than on the road. Um, but, Andy, any other um, strengths or weaknesses that you see in this Xavier team? Yeah, a couple things statistically. Uh, and it, it's really hard to get a read on it, particularly because while Miller has been the coach there, you know, been a while since since he's been there. But from a pace perspective, uh, and I, I thought another good uh, – Potential preview would be the uh, the uh, podcast on the Brink episode this week with Alex Bozich. He had Rocco Miller on, who does a really good job from a bracketology and a college basketball uh, analysis perspective. They talked about this a little bit, and, and one of the questions was why this team may be playing a bit faster than um, you know maybe Sean Miller teams in the past. In looking at the numbers, they played Morgan State. I think it was the first game who typically plays at a really fast pace. Not terribly shocking there. They were at a more I guess I'll say normal pace against Montana and then sped up a little bit against Fairfield, which is different than what at least Fairfield's done recently. One of the things that Rocco cited was they have a transfer guard, uh, Suli Boom, uh, who started his career at San Francisco, then played at UTEP, uh, a guy who likes to get up and down. So that may be uh, pushing it there. So I'm not totally sold that they want to play as fast maybe as they have uh, so far. But the other thing statistically where – if you want to look at weaknesses, turnover percentage, they've turned the ball over quite a bit, uh, and that's really kind of across a number of guys, uh, not really one or two guys responsible for it, but some uh, big numbers there. And then on the offensive glass, uh, they've, they've, I guess the defensive glass in that regard, they've, they've kind of struggled to control that. So 
those are areas that you might look for IU to be able to take advantage at the same time. Xavier shot the ball really well. They haven't shot a ton of threes, um, but have shot it well when they have. And, and that becomes a little hard to gauge. Is that a function of your opponent or is that really what you want to do? And I think that's where you get into some of these games where based on playing three sub 200 Ken Palm teams, what, what did you really learn? Uh, a whole lot differently about what they want to do offensively. But I thought, like you said, Coach Johnny talked a little bit about more schematically what they uh, what they like to do. But at least statistically, the you know areas where IU might be able to exploit is getting them to turn the ball over, which can lead to some transition opportunities for IU, uh, and also being able to get some putbacks, which which lines up well with some of the things that IU's personnel excels at. So I think you feel pretty good there. And I would agree with what you said, Coach. I think the defense, um, particularly on the interior, is one where like I said, Nunji and, and Fremantle, not the best defenders. And so if you throw waves of, of post guys at them, like IU will, uh, can you get at least one of them in foul trouble? That really puts Xavier in a bind. Ryan, it sounds like a race Thompson kind of game, you know, yeah, uh, so. press block, you know, um, go, go ahead. You have some comments on Xavier and I have a question back for you when you're done. Yeah, Indiana just has to control the three-point line on defense. I right. Mean, they're, they're hitting 45.5% of their three-pointers this year on how many they've taken? I guess 44. And that's a decent clip on a, on a decent number of makes. And, you know, Nunji's hitting 62.5. Uh, Bohm is hitting 55.6. Like, you know, I mean, they, they they can shoot it. And the guys, they, a lot, they don't have a lot of guys who do shoot it, but the guys who do are, are good shooters. And so – India has to close out and then be ready for long rebounds because because Xavier's going to shoot the ball. Um, so yeah, I, I would just say that I, I think that this may be the only team Indiana faces this year that uh, you know is worse on the free throw line than Indiana. <laughs> Although let's say second game, ninety five percent or whatever it was, but um, so I, I but I do think the three point line is a concern and they had trouble at times last year. Not as, as a whole on the season, but there were individual games where they had real trouble closing out to the three-point line and not chasing the ball and getting stuck and leaving guys open. So have to remain disciplined on defense to cover the three-point line. You know, the Kunkel kid is just one of those uh, tough-nosed kids. He, he usually, I think, comes off the bench this year, and then he started the last game uh, when the Jones uh, guy was out. Uh, but but he's one of those guys. He hit some big shots last year um, for him, uh, a gritty guy. But Quang uh, from our community uh, asked – uh, with, with his pace, since Xavier runs a 15-second offense, would X do uh, his one-man full-court press? Will IU press at all? Would this be a good strategy to slow Xavier down? Um, we'll start with you, Ryan. Do you think – you know, and Woodson likes to do that, especially out of dead ball situations and free throws, just eat some clock pressure uh, type yeah. of stuff. Do you see that being something that would help Indiana here I against mean, Xavier? They do it all the time anyway. I mean, it's right. it'll I don't think it'll be a setup press, but I think it'll be, you know, pick up the point guard inside the opposing free throw line. Yeah. Like I think and 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 hound him all the way across the court, try and get them off balance. And you do that not because you're trying to get a steal. You do that just to throw off the entry to their offense, the start of their offense, and and make it, you know, as you said, make it take a little bit longer. Maybe if he wants to go to the right, you bump him off to the left, make him start the offense from the other side. Um, take him off his strong hand so he's passing with a different hand. You just do it to harass them and, and to make them uncomfortable. It's not, you know, when you see that, it's not about getting a steal. I mean, if you get a steal, great, but that's not what it's for. When you set up a full court press with everybody doing it, that's more to speed the other team up and, and, and make them make bad decisions that could lead to a turnover. But when you see that point guard picks up, if somebody picks up a point guard full court, that's just to 
get the heart rate going for them and, and to, to, to harass and bother them and get them out of what they're doing. Yeah. The other thing in that regard, they do have a freshman uh, that they've been playing at point guard and his turnover rate again, three game sample size is over 30. Um, so I think that's the kind of guy that maybe it's more matchup dependent of when certain guys are in the game, you really want to try to throw them out of any rhythm they have and force them into some mistakes. Um, and I think some of that's dependent upon whether Jones plays or not. Um, but Xavier's got, it's, it's an odd roster. They've got tons of seniors. Jones is a junior and then everybody else is a freshman. It seems like. So a part of that I think is, you know, coaching change over there and you have some of that, but they do have some veteran guys who may not be rattled by that. But I think if you see, uh, you know, the freshman point guard in there, maybe, maybe you get into him a little bit differently or try to give him some different looks to try to confuse him a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's one where when you go on the road, this is where I'm confident in Indiana, you win with defense, you, you win with defense. You, you stay connected defensively because the crowd's going to be loud. You handle that early rush that Xavier is going to give. I wouldn't be surprised to see the first five minutes be a little bit of a struggle because of the atmosphere and the energy, but you got to rely on your defense to get stops, get stops, get stops, a few easy bu uh, buckets to get your offense going. But I, I think Indiana is clearly the better team on paper, uh, and we should expect to win. Be disappointed uh, with the loss. So, uh, okay, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, uh, we go around the Big Ten and college basketball to give some early impressions of what we've seen so far. So stick with us. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thanks, Coach Halls, uh, for that introduction. Uh, welcome back to The Assembly Call. Uh, I'm Coach Tonsoni here with Ryan Phillips and uh, Andy Bottoms. And uh, our main segment tonight uh, is brought to you by our new sponsor, True Blood Real Estate. Jim Trueblood is a longtime friend of Jared's and the founder and owner of Trueblood Real Estate, where he's been helping people in Indiana buy and sell properties since 2006. And starting this season, Trueblood True Blood Real Estate is the exclusive and official real estate partner of IU Athletics with a team of talented agents to serve you in Bloomington and throughout Indiana. If you're looking to buy or sell an estate in Indiana, you need the experience that Trueblood advantage go to trueblood.com to learn more that's trueblood.com and tell them assembly call sent you 
All right. The Big Ten has been in play, and I would say they're off to a pretty good start in the fact that um, the only loss that is not good is Minnesota's loss, and Minnesota's expected to be one of the bottom two teams in the Big Ten. There's been some uh, incredible uh, play. Jared uh, shared with us early that his main impression is that Michigan State's going to be more of a problem uh, if they stay healthy than most people thought, and and I second that. Um, They're not a huge, deep team, according to Jared, but it's one of those pesky Tom Izzo teams with great chemistry and toughness shooting. Uh, Jared says they will be a bear to play, so – that's a Jared's uh, a main impression. Um, Andy, your main impression of Big Ten play here in the first 10 days? Uh, you know, things have gone pretty well. I, I won't say there's been a lot of tests, but we, we always talk about this from a bracketology perspective, how important it is that the league does well to start. And right now, the league has three losses. One of them was Michigan State's loss to Gonzaga on the aircraft carrier by a point. And the other two have come from Nebraska and Minnesota, teams projected to be at the bottom of the league. So not really... Shocking that those teams are taking on losses, and both those losses were to, to Big East teams. Um, not sure how they decide who gets matched up with who in the Gabbitt games. I think they typically try to match up some of the worst teams against one another, and maybe Nebraska was just the the next one in line. But uh, not a great matchup for St. John's. They got they got blown out tonight. But overall, you know, really good. I think there's reasons to like what you've seen from uh, certainly Michigan State as being maybe better than what you thought. I will look good. Uh, last night winning at Seton Hall and, and Michigan State the, the big thing for me has been how Matty Sissoko has played really was kind of an afterthought uh, as you really looked at their roster coming in has made a huge huge leap through a couple games against really good competition so you know typically good Michigan State teams have that one big guy who's you know rugged inside can can rebound it well and and give you trouble defensively and through a couple games, Sissoko looks like that guy, and I think that's something that elevates them a little bit to to a different level. They've got good guard play. Uh, Hauser's kind of up and down, but but being able to have a more reliable guy inside, something that uh, something that really gives them a boost. Ryan, your um, main thoughts on uh, on the early Big Ten action? The the only team I've watched twice is Michigan State, and they impressed me both times. Um, Sissoko is one of the most improved players in the country. I think he just he looks fantastic. Um, and, and yeah, I just think that they have that depth. They do. They play the right way. They the way Izzo wants them to play. And and uh, so yeah, they're the most dangerous team that I've seen so far. Uh, and I think they'll be good all year. And usually Izzo's teams can start slower and then pick it up as the year goes along, and they've played really well out of the gate. You know, They're going to be battle-tested, that's for sure, yes. with their schedule. No their schedule uh, They got brutal. Villanova tomorrow and then – Alabama coming uh, up. PK-80, and, and yeah, they're, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have played the toughest schedule of anybody in the whole country. Uh, for me, I, I've seen – I've obviously seen Indiana and Purdue live – uh, and, and then I've tried to catch as bits and pieces of as many games as possible. Uh, and, and I guess my main impression is that this this league, regardless of who's on the roster, is is extremely competitive and, and well coached. And, you know, one of the questions we'll ask a little bit later is, is this going to be a down year because of, of the talent drain that left the Big Ten? That, you know, I'm not sure it's as bad of a drop-off as everyone kind of thought it was. Your Illinois, your Michigans, uh, th- those teams have all played as expected. Uh, I kind of liked what I saw about from Ohio State, uh, the little I saw them. Purdue is just Purdue. It's a more typical Purdue team. They don't have 
you know, a, a Williams and an Ivy with, with all that athleticism and passing, but they have some gritty players led by Braden Smith, a six-foot point guard out of Westfield who just took over the Marquette game uh, at, at the end. But they also make freshman mistakes up there, and, and Purdue seems a little slow um, uh, athletically as compared to what they have been and maybe what they need. Uh, but, but I think the league has done – uh, what what they needed to do to get off to a start to to try to maintain the the number of bids they get in the tournament uh, so they have a chance. But let's go um, back to you, Ryan. Has there been a a positive surprise in the Big Ten? A player, a team, a coach, something that you know early on has has caught your attention? Well, as I mentioned, I think it's Sissoko of, of for Michigan State. I just think he looks like a completely different player and and is a lot more confident than he's been in the past. And, um, you know, this guy has never started a game in, in college basketball. And I thought he looked like a dominant big man against uh, in their last game against Kentucky. Um, you know, he's, he's still a work in progress, I think, but, you know, he dropped 16 and had eight rebounds and two blocks against one and, and three steals against one of the best teams, you know, most talented teams you're going to find in the country. And, just did it naturally. It looked real good. So um, that's been the biggest takeaway. That's been the biggest one that's jumped out to me. A big takeaway for me, and, and I don't know if it's a real surprise, is is the Howard kid playing so well so early uh, at Michigan. You assumed he was going to be good. Um, and, and then the, just the number of freshmen that have come in that, you know, Indiana's freshmen, we're just, you know, in love with those two. And then Purdue starting two, two freshmen. And Ohio State has a, a bunch of young guys that are coming in. And so if, if the league is going to have a solid league, I think those freshmen have to play above and beyond their, their years. But I think that speaks again to the coaching staffs and the programs recruiting, you know, good quality players from all over the country, but a lot of them from the Midwest. Um, But, you know, not, not totally surprised, but um, it's good to see some, some young talent coming into the, to Big Ten to replace uh, some that was lost. Andy, any surprises or what, what, what stood out to you individually uh, as the season got started? I can't believe, Coach, that you did not use this opportunity to, to touch on your boy, Micah Shrewsbury. Penn State, <laughs> top 20 uh, in uh, offensive efficiency. They're shooting 46% from three. Uh, I don't know if that's just, I, it's not a surprise. That's why the, the question but, was a surprise. Um, but can they? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I've been but, doubting uh, them all along. But, you know, I think they're a team that it would be well off of everybody's radar. They beat a good Furman team uh, tonight and play Virginia Tech tomorrow. So a chance for, for them to, uh, to pick up a couple wins early. And they would really, if you're looking at teams in the league who were picked. It's certainly outside of the group that, that people projected to be in line for a tournament bid, they, they would be a surprise from my perspective. A little bit hard to look at too many of the other teams just because most of them haven't played anybody yet. Um, for the most part, Michigan State's the, the clear exception to that. But I watched some of the Michigan uh, Eastern Michigan game, uh, and uh, they, you know, they let Eastern Michigan hang around but, but played well down the stretch. And you know, I think Iowa is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, Seton Hall, new coach different situation there um but you know winning by 16 points on the road uh is is really impressive for iowa the offense uh to the surprise of absolutely no one uh has been really good so it it still remains to be seen what they're going to look like when they get into uh tougher competition um on a more regular basis and they got a few cupcakes left but 
uh, their schedule wraps itself a little bit. They got Duke and Iowa State uh, in early December, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. But but some fairly positive uh, early returns for them uh, in their uh, game at Seton Hall. One thing that's not surprising to me is when I turn on Iowa and see the coach and the players all complaining to the officials up and down the floor. So I guess the players kind of get that from their head coach. But um, they're pro- they're a product of their environment. What are you What are you going to do? Tony Perkins looked nice. Like, you know, I, I didn't know how much of an impact he would have, but in the time I've seen him, I thought Tony Perkins was, was impressive. But, man, he was he was all into the officials and everything. So um, you have that. So in just wrapping up this way too early, uh, you know, predictions and talk about the Big Ten, are we buying or selling the fact that the Big Ten is going to, um, you know, not be as good a conference or – you know, I, I think the thought that I got from a lot of predictions and, and and writers was that the Big Ten was going to have a big fall. So are we buying and selling that it's been a big drop-off? Andy, um, your thought, and does any of the early play – again, it's way too early to say definitively, but early on, where are you heading, headed in buying and selling a huge drop-off in, in Big Ten? Maybe the numbers of uh, bracket teams too low. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think I'd probably give a more confident answer maybe after next week and some of the you know holiday tournaments that are out there. I don't know that my opinion has changed in terms of thinking that the league has one of the top, top-end teams in the country. It did probably reaffirm and maybe even bolster my thoughts on how deep the conference is. Uh, I think you've got a lot of really, really solid teams, maybe more than what you thought going in. And if the league can continue, again, through the handful of high major games that they've had and really the lack of bad losses, which stands out against conferences like the, you know, the Pac-12 and the ACC, um, you know, to that extent, they've really avoided those bad losses. But if you can pick up some more wins, you really uh, it's kind of the rising tide that lifts all boats when you get to the net and things like that. And. And so that really gives you a great chance to get a lot of teams in the tournament because at that point, almost every game is a high quality opportunity for you to get a win. And certainly the volume of losses can hurt you, but just losing tough games to other good teams, even at home, doesn't, doesn't kill you. So in that regard, I think it's on a good trajectory to, you know, I think I projected eight teams in, maybe you can get a ninth, uh, as you go through and, and do it that way, if some of these teams really are able to sustain what they've done and, and the league doesn't stub its toe uh, in buy games and, and some of these other situations. So overall, probably a little more positive than I was to start, but I wouldn't, I still don't think you have an elite, elite team uh, in the Big Ten at this point, based on, at least based on what we've seen so far. I, I think you're you're right from a bracketology standpoint that, uh, the conference winning the games they're supposed to um, and maybe just losing again to the Big East here, there, the bottom teams, that that lifts the conference. So I'm kind of selling the idea that there's a huge drop-off this year in the Big Ten. I think it's going to look different than what it was uh, in previous years. But, again, I go back to the coaching and I go back to the, the, the young talent that's in the league, and I think that if they take care of business, uh, they're definitely looking at eight or nine teams in the tourney, and which eight or nine is, is going to be up to injuries and, you know, a few breaks uh, here and there. Um, Ryan, just general thoughts. Um, I know it's early, but uh, on, on the Big Ten's depth or quality of play. 
it always evens out for the Big Ten. Every you know, every time somebody writes the obituary for it as the best conference, it, team surprise. And, and I just think that's going to happen again this year. I just I just see that th- there's depth. They're not going to have bad losses. You know, people say like, well, it, there's not as much depth in the Big Ten as there's been. You know, a lot of guys left, a lot of players left. That happened to every other conference too. I mean, it, you know, it's not like it's unique to the Big Ten. And so I think that um, people just need to recognize that that every year the Big Ten winds up being one of the two top conferences, no matter what. And that's going to happen again this year. There's going to be depth. You're right. Maybe they don't have an elite team this year, a team that is going to be a national, uh, you know, picked as national title contender the all year long. But the conference is still going to be a meat grinder, as it always is, and it's going to be incredibly difficult to get through. And you you might have a surprise champion at the end who just manages to survive. Uh, and we've seen that happen a couple times over the last decade, where a surprise team that maybe had the easier schedule winds up with it because it's an unbalanced schedule. So uh, that has a lot to do with who wins. And, and maybe, too, we see a little more success in the tournament, too, if you have, you know, uh, some teams that aren't thought to be successful or, not, or, or some let's seeds. Let's not go that far, Coach. They're, they're still going to cash out in the tournament. Let's be real. It's Come on, it's a new year. Uh, it's a couple years past COVID, and it's back to normal. Now the Big Ten can at least get – couple more teams in into the into the sweet uh 16 so um gavit games last question in here in segment you like it not like it for the big 10 to play the big east uh and and i know uh we also have the acc tournament but uh do we like it um ryan start with you yes or no uh yeah i like it i uh it's it's just that was a good. resounding resounding no if, if resounding I have, approval you know, from Ryan. Well, here's the thing: I would rather have them do a tournament like I mean, I I know they would love to, but do a tournament like Maui or something where you go off and play a couple games and replicate that tournament sort of atmosphere early in the season. I think that's the most valuable thing you can do. Um, obviously, you can't go to Maui every year because everyone wants to go. It's about every five years or so. And quite frankly, I think it's lame that Indiana didn't actually get to go to Maui the last time they were in the Maui Invitational. But that's a whole other podcast. Um, I think that I like it because it's good competition. And, it, and, and anytime you have good competition early in the season, I think it winds up being a positive win or lose. Uh, but if I have my preference, I would love to do a tournament type setting. And Indiana doesn't really do a lot of those. So. I prefer that, but I agree with you. I don't mind playing these teams, but when there's what only eight matchups, um, you know, I, I would like to see if you're going to do it. Let's let's get everyone in, involved. And I don't know what the contract was or or why it was only set to eight matchups a year. Um, yeah, and everybody only plays a certain amount of times in a few years. That that was going to be yeah. my general point. It's it it's a means to setting up some decent matchups, but it doesn't feel like an actual event. Right. Um, whereas the Big Ten ACC, pretty much, you know, there's there's one odd team left out, but uh, on the ACC side, but otherwise everybody plays, and it's it, that feels like an actual event. This just seems like a convenient way to schedule games for TV, um, which is ultimately all the other one is too. But it, at least it, it makes it feel a little bit less that way. So, I think if you could find ways to get more teams involved or more teams involved involved on a regular basis, um, challenge becomes you don't have you know, the same number of teams you're, you know, big East, I think are they at 11 now. Uh, I want to yeah. say, and big Ten's got 14. So it, it just becomes, you know, you're leaving three teams out, but at least if you got 11 games, you know, somebody's always going to win um, and do things like that. But I think because of people playing in other, 
um, you know, uh, exempt tournaments and things like that, you can't get everybody to play every year. And so that, I think, undermines a little bit of the the event-related nature of it. Well, two marquee games tomorrow night, Indiana at Xavier and Michigan State Villanova. I'm not sure where that's at. Andy, do you know real quick? Um, I think it's at Michigan State. At but Michigan I am, State. So, um, I will, I will double-check, but I'm – I think that's what it is. And then that'll be the Gavit games. And then Feast Week starts next week with all of the exempt tournaments. It's just a great time to to watch basketball. And and as we have all said here, we'll know more about the Big Ten uh, and college basketball here in about two weeks. But stick with us. We'll be up to answering your questions uh, after the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey, it's Romeo Langford. What's the only thing better than hand a game winner to beat Wisconsin? Celebrate it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosers. Hello, everyone. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. It's now time for our mailbag. Uh, All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. And before we get to the questions, there's just a lot of good comments back and forth from our members, some good questions for us. And as I mentioned, Coach Adrania's film room uh, and scouting reports for each game. Uh, I have a Coach's Corner segment where uh, this week we broke down uh, a small video on Trey Galloway's uh, shooting form. Uh, we, we have a, a lot of good things. So go to assemblycall.com backslash community. Uh, we keep it a paid community so that it's, it's just real Hoosier fans in there. Uh, but please join us. Uh, there, there's a lot to to the community. So our first question's from Allie, and, and here we go. It's a doozy. So um, we're going to throw this one to the guys. Uh, 
Allie asks, uh, or says, or whatever, uh, how big of a scheming turd was Sean Miller to actually get busted by the NCAA? Just seems like there have been so many people going against the NCAA rules for so long without any repercussions. For him to actually get fired for it makes me wonder how much, uh, how much jeopardy he actually put his whole school on repeatedly because of inflated ego. I already have an idea of how big of a loser he is after his idiotic comments about Hoosier fans having, quote, unrealistic expectations, end quote, because his brother crapped the bed at Indiana. But doing minimal research of this dude makes me wonder why anyone would hire that level of unethical toxicity at the price of winning a few basketball games. If it's not clear, I want this team to steamroll Xavier, but mainly Sean Miller. Do we have the applause soundbite? I, I, I don't. That's in Jared's soundboard, but way to go. Way to go, Allie. Um all right, I don't have want, much to add to that. Yeah, who who uh, wants to take that on. Allie's question? <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I'm not sure there was a question in there, so I don't know what there is to really say. I, you know, I think what has been proven over and over again from a, a college basketball perspective is that uh, winning cures everything and makes you forget a lot of things about somebody that you might not have have liked. I think from a, a Xavier perspective. Uh, certainly brings them back to you know, they, they they wanted to move on from Travis Steele and Miller, somebody who knows the program, perform well there. Um, but it, yeah, it was pretty brazen in some of the things that uh, you know you hear about Arizona and different things like that. I think uh, not he's not the only one that I would put in that category uh, by any stretch. And I think you, you one of them on, won the, on the other title hand, last year, on the other, on the other hand, you see what the, the punishment of the, you know, IARP or whatever that process is called that the NCAA put in place that basically punishes no one. So if you know, you're not going to get punished, I guess, uh, I, I, you know, and with NIL I, now it's all open season. Well, now it doesn't matter, but yeah. yeah, I mean, even for the ones who were breaking what, what rules there were in the past, there's really been no repercussions for it. So, uh, I think that's fairly typical of college sports, whether you whether you like it or not, that uh, those things are quickly forgotten in the name of winning uh, and bringing somebody in who they think can win. But uh, but yeah, anyway, I don't, I don't, like I said, I, not sure there was a question, but that <laughs> Allie, I struggle because sometimes there's really good coaches who do really stupid things uh, and hurt their programs, and and hopefully, coach will learn from it after then he gets beat by Indiana. Um, you know, there's just a lot of cases where um, coaches just do the wrong thing to win. And, and um, but I struggle with it because I appreciate what they do from an X and O standpoint. And we all have one of those in our history um, that um, some people can't get past and, and some people can. Uh, the only re- reason I get past some of these coaches uh, doing some unethical things is. Uh, because hopefully they stop doing unethical things and get back to what made them a good coach in the first place. So um, the other thing I would say, too, is uh, with, with any comments about Indiana, you want Indiana to go and play Indiana basketball. You don't want them to go beat Archie Miller's brother or because the other coach um, had some comments because that, that leads to that fake hustle, false hustle, false stuff. You can only go to the well, the motivational well of you know, um, bulletin board material is, is so widely used 
But uh, if you have to rely on bulletin board material every game you play, then you don't have much of a program. Uh, you want to go to Xavier and play uh, Indiana basketball because you're better and kick their ass because you're better, not because you want to get back at what a coach says. I think that's part of the problem with our football program. They're always looking for a chip, always looking for a chip, always looking for a chip instead of just taking a chip and knocking it off the shoulder of the guy across the line of scrimmage. Uh, you played a game of basketball. You don't you don't go uh, and hold grudges. That's for us fans. I have no problem with you, Allie, whatsoever. There are people that I'd love to beat uh, too. But I'm saying when when you run a program, if you if you talk about all that kind of stuff for the for the guys, I don't, I don't think that's productive. Um, anything else on uh, Allie's awesome, wonderful, motivational? Uh, Submit more comments, Allie. <laughs> yeah. Thank <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, so we go to Mike, uh, Mike, hard to follow that. Sorry, but we, you're just in the order. So, um, so Mike stem says, is there a reason why Logan isn't getting a few more minutes? Um, and, um, what's the, the spread for, uh, the Xavier game? I, I haven't seen that yet. So those are two questions. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, the spread is Indiana by one last I saw and an over under is it, I don't know where I saw that. I think it was like 145, 140, 143 maybe it was the last I saw it. Um, as for Duncan, there's two words. Malik Renew is the reason he's not getting more minutes. Is Duncan, you know, without Renew there, Duncan would probably be the backup post guy along with Jordan Geronimo, but Malik Renew exists. And so I, I think that they would like Duncan to play to get some more minutes, to be able to, to go in there and be more of a pure center. Um, but I just think that honestly, they, they have the guys right now. They have the horses and I think the hope for him as he develops, he, uh, you know, teammates commented on how much better he got in the off season a lot that came up a lot, uh, when they were, when they were discussing, uh, the off season and, and who was doing what, uh, I think the hope is that next year he's, he's a guy who can play a lot with Malik in there, maybe make Malik your four and you've got, uh, him at the five and, and let's be real to, to get to the NBA, Malik's going to have to be able to step out on the floor and hit shots. And so that would leave, you know, if he was more of an inside out guy, that would leave uh, uh, Duncan uh, inside. So I, I think there's a, there's a path there for him to become a really effective player, but it's, you know, it's going to take some time. He's got some development. Yeah. Jim, yeah. I think, I think ahead, it's, a lot of that's just trying to, you know, you see IU, what they've done in the rotation so far, kind of playing guys in pairs. And I think, we know how race and trace complement each other. I think Geronimo and Renew so far have complemented each other good. well. And and I don't think you could pair up Duncan and Renew at this point. Could you maybe pair Duncan and Geronimo? Yes, but that's at the expense of getting minutes for Renew, like Ryan said. So I think that's where the challenge comes. I think I saw this red was one and a half, but it's it's right around that one, one and a half mark. Yeah. I haven't I haven't seen it in the last Yeah, I pulled up know, one thing on my phone while while I saw the question in here. So looks like it's in that general range. Jim Tom Hoosier asks, now that you've seen the team play a couple of games, have your expectations for the season changed? I'll start out, yeah, I feel a lot better. Uh, very cautious uh, heading in to the season. Um, and, and I think I'm still not buying that we're Final Four team level, that conversation or top ten team that, that some people have said. But I do think that uh, my belief in the roster, as I said in the banner moment, is a lot uh, better now seeing the freshman play, uh, seeing how Tamar has improved and, and, and everyone and Trey Galloway's shot and, and just the overall makeup of, of the rotation. Uh, I'm a lot more comfortable now 
knowing that uh, it's going to take a pretty good effort to beat Indiana on a given night, not a fact where we have to play up above and beyond our, our talent. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I think that the the biggest revelation for me out of these two games wasn't just the talent that they have and the depth and all of that. I mean, that we kind of knew on paper coming in. Uh, it's the focus. I mean, these guys are very focused, and it seems like everybody's got the same goal, and it looks like they've been playing together for a while. Now, the four seniors have played together before, um, but I think that it just looks like these guys are connected on a different level than we've seen in a while, and it, it feels like the attitude feels like they – they know what they are capable of and are trying to get there. And that is uh, what I think is, is the most interesting part of this and has been the most heartening is that they all look like they have a similar common goal. I think from my perspective, they probably raised a little bit just because Renew and Huchifino have, have played so well. Um, a lot has been made of the notion that this is just the same, you know, running it back with the same guys from last year. And why do you expect it to be so much better? And I think there were obviously based on the recruiting rankings, there were high expectations for those guys, but I think they've, again, two game sample size plus a couple exhibition games. So maybe four games have exceeded that. And and I think reinforce how, how well the guys who go to these top end prep schools can really integrate pretty seamlessly into college basketball and not look out of place. Um, to this point, they haven't looked out of place. We'll see if we say the same thing after tomorrow. Um, it's a first really big test for them. And are there some nerves and are there some things like that, that maybe they don't play as well as they have in these other games? Certainly possible. But I think those guys raise the ceiling because they just give you different dimensions that you didn't have last year. One in, in terms of having another guy who can make plays with a ball in his hands and the other, a guy who really can allow you to stick to what you want to do offensively by trying to get the ball inside, but also give trace a bit more rest and ease the burden on him while not feeling like the, you know, things drop off a cliff from a talent perspective when, as soon as he hits the bench. And that leads to a question uh, from Joel Huparazzi. Um, do you, do you see a much more confident IU team or how, how much more they seem um, and how much does confidence play a role in winning? Andy, we'll come back to you and then back around to Ryan. Uh, they certainly look confident. They, they look really together, uh, I would say, so far. And it's easy to – this is the part where not playing a lot of games and not facing a lot of adversity yet makes it hard to tell. It, it's easy to feel good about – how you're playing and whenever but you know and like oh i love the guy next to me because we just beat the crap out of somebody by 30 when things start to go sideways as they will um do you maintain the togetherness that seems to be there uh the optimistic part of me says yeah they'll be able to figure that out and, and make those things work but i think based on what we've seen which is really all we can judge at this point they seem to be a confident bunch uh and i think that um you know, certainly better than the alternative. Uh, we'll, we'll see as they go through some of these other games how they're able to maintain that confidence. But, um, you know, for now, so far, so good. Ryan, do you see a more yeah. confident team? I see a team that's more confident in each other. I, I you know, I, I they, they've been doing a lot of making the extra pass because it's they're they're confident the other guy can do his job, and it's not just Xavier Johnson and. Trace Jackson Davis in a two-man game and everybody else standing around watching. Like this is the, the team is 
confident. I think they know, as I said earlier, they know how much talent they have. They know what they're capable of and they're playing to that. Andy's right. It's easy to be confident when you're blowing people out. I mean, when this team gets punched in the mouth, we'll see. Can Xavier Johnson keep his head and not argue with officials or get into it with the opposing point guard and just keep his head and focus on the task at hand? We'll see. I mean, we don't know, but um, just from what we've seen so far, the attitude, the way they move together, the way they play off each other, it's incredibly positive for Indiana. And it's going to be, I mean, this is on paper. I've said it's one of the most talented teams we've seen in Indiana in two decades. I mean, straight up talent wise, it's as good as we've seen Uh, how that gets deployed and how that talent, you know, how they play together over the length of a long season is anybody's guess and how they're coached and how they're positioned and are they put into the right spots, all of that. But the thing that I have seen is these guys know how good they are. They really do. And the ones who don't are starting to figure it out real fast. And I will say, I, I, I wrote this last year about Mike Woodson. The one thing he does is have faith in his players and he makes them have faith in themselves. And you're really seeing that bear out. Some of the guys who've been in the program a couple of years, they know their roles a little bit better this year and they have confidence in themselves because they know they've got, you know, their coach has confidence in them. That was, we heard all last year. So yeah, I think they're confident and I think they're confident in the guys next to them. And I think they're confident in the mission they're on and, and we'll see what they do. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but a lot of good signs have been there from the beginning. I, I, I like the word connected. Uh, I I've said in a couple shows, um, times that I've been on when I've been down there early, they seem really focused. Uh, I think, uh, I forget which one of you two said that, but focused. I've heard focus come from you guys, connected, and I'm going to add the word trust. Um, I think they trust the next pass to be made. Um, you know, Renew comes down in the film clip, both Coach Adrani and I uh, of Trey Galloway hitting the shot was Renew got the rebound, ran down the floor, saw a screen opportunity for a flare screen, uh, and Galloway hits a shot. So I, I trust, connected, focus, uh, it all has to come from confidence, uh, and, and that helps. So just a couple more questions. Uh, Kent Beckham uh, Beckman uh, asked, who determined the four teams that played in the Tournament of Champions, what criteria was used, and how long until IU gets included in games like this, uh, also the aircraft carrier game. Ryan, how, how does that get scheduled? That's a contractual thing, right? Which one, the aircraft? Well, the aircraft or the, or the Tournament champions. of Champions is yeah, – I don't know how they do it. Um, it's basically they pick four teams that are good for television, quite frankly. But I, I don't know if it's – I think they've signed a long-term multi-year contract, yeah. right, Andy? They, they have. I, I was trying to look a little bit to see what the origin was, but the teams have not changed, changed since they yeah. started doing it. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's always the and, same. And it makes sense because at the time they did it, they started it up in – I guess the first one was in 2011. Um, and it was initially a way Norlander went into some of the scheduling mechanisms of why it falls when it does, but it had been initially viewed as a way to really kick off the college basketball season. And as we saw this year, I mean, it was, you know, like, you know, instead of getting off to a fast start, your car sputtering to get out of the parking lot for 20 minutes. But um, it, it doesn't, Anything that I've looked at as I've just tried to look here doesn't say necessarily other than, you know, brings four of the all-time best college basketball programs and coaches. And if you think about where, you know, IU really was at the timeline that this started up, uh, it wasn't necessarily in a place where you were, uh, you know, at the uh, at the top of the national consciousness to, uh, to be able to play. So I think some of that may be unfortunate timing. Now, 
the aircraft carrier and things like that. I'm, I'm less sure how that comes together. IU played in the uh, the game against Kansas and Hawaii some number of years ago, um, and I think I, I think a lot of the teams that get involved in those things are are very excited to do them again because it's such a unique experience to be able to go and uh, you know spend that time um, with the Navy. And I think uh, you know Gary Parrish talked about experience this week of of guys going to the one that they have at the uh uh i think it's a uh, might be at the naval academy um there and, and kind of some of the experiences they go through so i think those become fairly popular for teams to get to but in terms of how they pick i mean it's all about getting a good game for tv quite honestly so i think the more that iu finds itself high in the rankings uh the more of those kinds of opportunities that they can uh that they can open up in that regard um as you as you go forward i think it's just a matter of consistently being toward the top of the sport where you're a big draw uh a bigger draw um for for some of those kinds of games at least that's my impression champions classic i don't think they have any plans to swap teams out so that ship has kind of sailed but there there might be some other opportunities the, out the there military games. games uh are, are great for for the programs to do my son was a manager uh, uh for tom crean and iu and was on that trip to hawaii and, and that that you know, he just thoroughly enjoyed uh, that that experience, and I also think it was somewhat. Indiana was locked into the Crossroads Classic. There was a what was the one called with UCLA, North Carolina, uh, now Ohio State got in. There was some talk that Indiana was maybe asked to participate in that, but they couldn't get out of of the contract there. So I think that's part of the reason why Indiana wanted to get out is to seek out more opportunities to add quality opponents in the schedule, but maybe also get into some of these types of, of games. So, uh, last one, um, George Bidel, George, I hope I pronounced your last name correct. Uh, what would your minute breakdowns be in non-buy games or, or very competitive games? Now that you've seen the guys play as well, several different lineups, I'm going to tell you, I like the nine guy, the nine man rotation, uh, I, with, with the two posts and your ninth man's going to be limited for me, maybe 10 to 12, 14 minutes. And that could be anyone at, depending on who you're playing, um, but if you can keep uh, races minutes in the low thir- or uh, TJD in the low 30s and then sprinkle everyone else around that, uh, I think you're going to see high 20s for X and Hood Shafino. Uh, and, again, just if Miller Cop's hitting shots, you're going to see more of him. If Trey Galloway is hitting or needed, def- needed defensively, you're going to see more of him and Tamar. Uh, but I think it comes down to – you basically have two or three guys in the 28 to 30. Those are your main guys. Then you have everyone else just over 20 to 24. And then you have a couple guys in the 14, 15 range is generally how you break it down. Um, Andy, any thoughts on minute breakdown? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that will be interesting to see when we get into some of these games is is renews minutes, quite honestly. It goes back a little bit to what we talked about before uh, in terms of, of pairing these guys up. I don't know how much you'll see of Trace and Renew playing together. And if you believe that those two aren't going to be on the floor a whole lot, you're basically divvying up 40 minutes between those two guys. So if you play Trace 30 minutes, that means you're only playing Renew 10. Is that enough based on what you've seen from him? Or do we see them try to play those two guys together? Renew did step out and shoot it a little bit. Maybe you see that a little bit more over the course of the season where at least for a couple minutes of overlap, you've got those guys in there. But I largely agree with what Coach said. I think you're going to see lots of minutes from Huchifino and Xavier Johnson. Uh, Team seems committed to keeping – at least one of those guys on the floor the whole time. Uh, and then from there, I think it's a lot of matchup dependent stuff uh, and who's playing well as you kind of mix and match some of the other guys. I think you may see more of a 
Race Thompson in certain scenarios and Jordan Geronimo. You may see, as coach said, you know, maybe a little more Trey Galloway than Miller Cop, depending upon what you need. But I think those are the ones you kind of set in stone and then you figure out how to how to shake the minutes out around them. Yeah, I agree. I think coach nailed it. Uh, I, I just think that it's and Andy, you mentioned something. I think it's gonna be matchup dependent. I think it's gonna depend on flow of the game too. I mean, if you if you're up big, you don't need Miller Cop out there shooting threes. You need Trey Galloway's defense maybe a little more. You know, you know, I mean, you kind of switch it. If Jalen Hutchifino is is not defending well, you might put Trey out there for that. You, you might, you know, I mean, you need you have better driving lanes. You might put Tamar out there, and you know, it's 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 really going to depend on how a game is going and uh, you know, what you need on the floor and, and what the matchups are on both ends. Well, that's going to do it um, for our show this evening. Um, thanks for joining us. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music and thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. Until then, take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. I kind of shut off my music. Um, But you get a little replay preview here. So, again, Xavier, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, post-game show. Ryan, you going to be on? I am. All right, Jared and Ryan will take care of that. If you're in the Cincinnati area, come out to Mad Tree Brewing to see uh, Coach Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms talk some more basketball. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Hey, the show's over. Here I come, Coach Tonsoni. <laughs> oh, boy. Never gets old. No. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Good not. show, fellas. Yeah, uh, good. Hour one. seven. Thanks for joining, everybody. Uh, What's everybody game. doing uh, after the weekend? Are you guys doing anything next week for the holidays? Quick visit to my mom on on Thursday. Yeah, we're going to. Yeah, we're going to my mom, so we'll be there for a few days. Yeah, I'm going out to the desert again um, for a week. So, not the middle of nowhere. There's a town. <laughs> yeah, I love um, that you describe it as a way in which he's some oasis out in the desert. Wandering through the desert. Yep. It's a walkabout, really. It's, uh, no, we've done that the last couple of years. Just gone out and for a week, going with the parents, and we have some family friends out there. So I'll be trying to chime in from there. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. It's very quiet out there, and I don't play golf, and there's a lot of golf. So you got to find stuff to do to entertain yourself. <laughs> uh, Jack, I just got to the chat. I We're not looking at the chat often. I just turned it on. Jack R. asked me. I, I'm not coaching this year, Jack. I stepped back and uh, going to do more work for our show here uh, behind the scenes and in the community and spending some time uh, going to some college basketball games. So no practice uh, for me this week. And um, I'm okay. I miss it a little bit. And that means he'll be there on February February fourth. Definitely will be there. No, no uh, conflicts. Mark it down, folks. Come show up. Say hi. Yep. We're looking forward to it.
I've been eager to get back since we were there last year. It was a lot of fun. We came in after the blizzard last year, yeah. right? Right after the year before, or 2020, we came in and the blizzard hit the day I tried to leave. So we're all, it's always right around when we're there. It's always so, right around. When so we're plan accordingly. Put a yeah. blanket in your, your car. Boots out. It's going to be, it's going to be yeah. snowy no matter what and very yeah. cold. Put some blankets in your car, chains on your tires, whatever you yeah. need to do, because you may, you may end up stranded. Yeah. yeah and make sure. You save some money so you can buy us some beers. I mean, yeah. that'd be nice. That's the most important thing. That is. You know, a little Christmas savings money. Yeah. A little extra work. Coach is thirsty. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All, All right. right, guys. All right, sounds good. Well, Coach, I will see you tomorrow. You guys have a safe yep. trip. Uh, yeah, you I, guys have fun. I'll text you when I, I take off, but we should try to get there about 3, 30, 4 o'clock, depending on how long Jay needs to load up the car when i stop to pick him up and okay how mediocre oh. the drive is i do have taylor swift essentials on my apple music for jay okay, okay yeah, good. good good no so, you guys take pictures video everything we want to see we'll check it out there's, there's a, sure somebody there's does. a non-zero chance i won't do any of those things but well yeah have uh, somebody else who's there do that we'll have jen we'll and amy post, take care of the we'll pictures. Yeah, we'll, we'll see post what we can it on, do. post it on assembly call uh, yep. Twitter, if if Twitter still exists, it's going down. I think tonight yep. they say it, the yeah. the technical team all resigned. Is yeah, what? And the depending if you yeah outages are through the roof right now. Yeah, if you believe what uh, what <laughs> believe what's being you, said, right? If you, that's what happens when you let your entire engineering team walk away. Yeah, thousand yeah. people walked out today after his thing, and most yeah. of them on some of the technical teams. Yeah, not good. It's, it's bad not coaching. Good. Not great. <laughs> All right, guys. All right. <laughs> All right. Peace. Peace. See you guys.